From the stuff your mother never told you to the stuff your doctor never learned, On Health is what happens when a midwife plus a Yale-trained MD shares about all things women's health, from periods to menopause, sex to reproductive health politics, motherhood to mental health. Join me for taboo-busting conversations that demystify and destigmatize our bodies, all while bridging the gap between conventional medicine and wellness. Along the way, we'll be exploring the science and wisdom of how our bodies work, what makes us well, what gets in the way, and how we can live our best lives on our terms. When it comes to women's health and well-being, there's nothing we won't talk about. The new medicine for women is here. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Welcome to the podcast. In January of this year, 2023, the large period underwear company Thinks reached a settlement on a class action lawsuit against them for misleading consumers by claiming their products were, quote, non-toxic, harmless, sustainable, organic, and otherwise safe for women and the environment, end quote, when in fact they contained PFAs. They agreed to pay up to $5 million to reimburse customers. Customers can apply for a refund for up to three pairs of Thinks underwear, $7 per pair if you still have your receipt, $3.50 per pair if you don't. Note that they cost the user $35 per pair to purchase new. Despite settling, Thinks maintains they didn't do anything wrong and claim that, quote, PFAs has never been part of the brand's product design. End quote. So what are PFAs and does it matter that they were found in a period product? PFAs stands for per and poly fluoral alkyl substances, a group of chemicals that contains fluorines. There are at least 4,730 of these in circulation in our environment as the result of their widespread use in numerous industrial and personal products discovered in the 1930s and in wide use since the 1950s pfas are found in a variety of common products many of us use daily including nonstick cookware the fl in teflon refers to the fluorines waterproof clothing stain resistant fabrics food packaging microwave popcorn bags dental floss numerous cosmetic products like body lotion, foundation, mascara, shampoo, sunscreen, and more. Because of their extreme environmental persistence, they basically never degrade in our environment. PFAs are referred to as forever chemicals. They are found all over the planet, including in the bodies of polar bears in the Arctic and penguins in Antarctica. And they also accumulate in our bodies over time. This is called bioaccumulation and are now found in the blood of basically all Americans across all ages. One of many classes of potent endocrine disrupting chemicals, EDCs, the most commonly studied PFAs, perfluorooctanoic acid, PFOA, and perfluorooctane sulfonic acid, PFOS, were phased out of production in the United States in 2002 and 2015 as research has revealed their health risks. But because they are so persistent, they haven't disappeared just because they were phased out. They are still in our soil, water, and still in products produced with them 
prior to the phase out, like older Teflon and other nonstick pots and pans, as well as products we import from other countries in which they're still in use. And as the older PFAs have been phased out, newer short chain PFAs have replaced them, which have not been well studied and eventually may prove to be just as toxic. It's one of the newer PFAs that was found at high levels in Think's underwear. Think's is hardly the only menstrual product company with PFAs in their product, though. Since the news of the Think's scandal broke, various media outlets have sent other brands' products to independent labs to be tested as well. The environmental blog Momovation recently sent in dozens of products for testing and found evidence of PFAs in nearly two-thirds of period underwear, as well as nearly half of all menstrual pads, panty liners, and incontinence pads, and nearly a quarter of tampons. Of note, evidence of PFAs was detected in several companies' pads and tampons that are advertised as organic. This underscores the fact that labels like non-toxic, organic, and natural can simply be empty marketing promises. They don't guarantee that those products have been tested and verified for these claims or for health and safety. Advocates and scientists, including myself, have long warned that there's not enough oversight on the possible health risks of toxins in menstrual products. Menstrual products, including period underwear, tampons, pads, and menstrual cups, fall under the FDA's regulatory category of medical devices. Contrary to what you might assume, that means that they're actually subject to a lower standard of scrutiny than even our cosmetics. They undergo little to no safety testing conducted by the FDA before hitting the market. And unlike with cosmetic products, manufacturers aren't even required to disclose all the ingredients they contain. That makes it very hard, even for educated consumers to discern which products have been independently tested for PFAs and other contaminants. As I discussed in a previous article on this topic over on my website, an important study titled Chem Fatale by Women's Voices for the Earth on the potential health risks associated with the use of menstrual products found that tampons and pads sometimes contain the following possible ingredients, all unlisted on the packaging. Dioxins from the bleaching process, furans, pesticide residues, unknown chemical fragrances, adhesive chemicals, and others. The possible health effects of these exposures is a topic that is woefully understudied. A 2022 review of nearly two dozen studies measuring various environmental toxins in menstrual products concluded that all the studies detected toxins, some found at significant levels, while others concluded that the levels were low enough to pose little risk. Menstruators may use over 10,000 menstrual products over our lifetimes. Not only are we at potential risk, but what's absorbed into our bodies can impact our fertility and also be passed on to offspring. So I'd say further research is urgently warranted. So how much PFA exposure are we getting from Thinks or other menstrual products? Remember, the charge against Thinks was that its marketing was misleading, not that the PFAs in its products necessarily harmed users. In fact, we don't know how much of the PFAs found in Thinks 
or other menstrual products are actually absorbed into our bloodstream. Those studies simply haven't been done. How much PFA absorption occurs through the skin is generally currently unstudied in humans. But a recent study on the effects of PFOA on the immune system of mice found that dermal absorption of the chemical was as harmful as when it was ingested orally. And we know from comparable studies on human exposure to similar chemicals found such as brominated flame retardants that skin absorption can be a significant source of harmful exposure. Plus, the vaginal and vulvar tissue is especially absorbent compared to the skin on the rest of your body. Some researchers suggest that washing period panties over time will remove PFAs, but that just means they end up as forever chemicals in our water and environment, so that's not really a long-term solution. And we obviously can't pre-wash tampons and pads. Further, in a study by Greenpeace, not only was contact with water-repellent clothing and hiking gear, such as rain jackets, rain pants, and footwear, a source of PFAS exposure, but concentrations of PFAs were increased once the clothing was weathered compared to the original unweathered items. So that kind of blows that theory about washing them over and over. On the other hand, it's also certainly possible that any exposure from period underwear is minimal compared to the amounts we're exposed to through our water, our foods via contaminated soil and food packaging material and other consumer products. Indeed, perhaps the largest source of exposure is our drinking water. PFAs contaminate the drinking water in almost every state. Last year, the EPA issued guidelines with new limits for how much PFOS and PFOA should be allowed in drinking water. Back in 2016, they had set a limit of 70 parts per trillion for both. At least 100 million Americans likely have drinking water that exceeds that limit. But now the agency says that in light of new research showing that even very small amounts are harmful to health, the new limit should be 0.02 PPTs or parts per trillion. So 70 down to 0.02 for PFOSs and 0.004 PPTs for PFOA. That's a decrease of more than a thousandfold. But the EPA's guidelines aren't current legally binding. So what are the health risks linked to PFAs? Though the FDA has said that just because a given product has detectable levels of PFAs doesn't necessarily mean it poses a safety concern when it comes to endocrine disrupting chemicals like PFAs. But studies have shown that chronic recurrent exposure to even barely measurable amounts may be impactful as it only takes amounts in the parts per million to influence your hormones. I've spoken with audiences and my patients about the health issues of endocrine disrupting chemicals, including PFAs for decades, and dedicated a chapter on it in my latest book, Hormone Intelligence, which centers on hormonal and reproductive health, as well as one in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, where I discuss the impact of EDCs, including PFAs on thyroid health. Many high quality studies have linked long-term exposure to PFAs to numerous health risks, including increased cholesterol levels, decreased vaccine response in children, changes in liver enzymes, increased risk of kidney, testicular, breast cancer, obesity, type 2 diabetes, and more. 
PFOA has been classified as a potential carcinogen. PFAs are neurotoxic and immunotoxic, and because they can accumulate in the lungs, one study suggests they could possibly be associated with more severe COVID. As endocrine-disrupting chemicals, PFAs can interfere with our hormone systems, causing major problems for reproductive health. Studies have linked long-term PFAs exposure with menstrual irregularities and ovarian dysfunction, as well as disorders like polycystic ovary syndrome, endometriosis, thyroid hormone deficiency, fertility issues, and earlier age of menopause. According to a 2020 investigation in the New York Times, high prenatal exposure to PFAs can impact thyroid function, metabolism, and immunity of both mother and child. Some studies have suggested that prenatal exposure to PFAs could lead to lower birth weight and increase the risk of preterm birth. Women exposed to PFAs during pregnancy may also have higher risks of gestational diabetes and preeclampsia. Their babies are later at increased risk of childhood obesity and infections. Of note, knowledge of the health risks of PFAs isn't new. The FDA has been aware of how they affect the body since the 1960s. DuPont, who first developed PFOA, submitted evidence on their harms to the FDA in 1966. And if you haven't seen the movie from 2019, Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo, it's worth watching. I've seen it twice. How can you reduce your personal exposures to PFAs? Well, at this point, it's impossible for any of us to avoid all PFAs completely, no matter how clean and green we try to live. They're just that ubiquitous. But we can reduce our personal body burden. That is the amount of substance in our bodies by reducing our exposure. I've personally used my own reusable cloth pads since I was 15 years old, not just for personal health, but because disposable menstrual products generate an enormous amount of environmental waste. When they finally became available in the 1990s, I used organic tampons when a homemade cotton pad wasn't practical. Think of overnight call in the hospital. Here are some steps you can take to reduce your PFA exposure. Filter your drinking water with an activated carbon or reverse osmosis filtration system. Avoid stain and water-resistant fabrics, sprays, carpets, and furniture. In my home, we were just really clear. We did not have any stain-resistant fabric. And there are so many wonderful ways that you can clean stains and spills that are much healthier. And then you're not worrying about this ubiquitous exposure that your kids are getting because they're crawling on the carpet. They're all over the furniture, right? And half the time they're naked nunnies while they're doing it. So they're really getting a lot of skin exposure. The Green Science Policy Institute has lists of PFAS-free consumer products from rain gear to car seats. And you can find the links to all of the resources that I'm sharing with you, as well as all the research links to everything over at my website at avivaram.com forward slash thinks again. That's T-H-I-N-X again. So in addition, you can use instead of nonstick cookware. And you know, we might think about like, oh, nonstick cookware. Well, it's metal. Those PFAs, those chemicals that are added to them are not fixed. They are actually coming out into our food products as we cook in them. They're coming out into our food. 
as we're storing food in containers that contain these chemicals. So switch to stainless steel, enamel, glass, or iron cookware. Avoid takeout food containers and wrappers, unless they're paper. If they're made of paper from a more organic food company, sure. But if those paper containers are plastic lined or have some kind of coating on the inside, those can have PFAs and other chemicals that can leach into your food. If you do need to use them for some reason, transfer food out of them as soon as possible and never reheat food in those containers. And avoid cosmetics and personal care products with PTFE, PTFE, or fluoro listed as ingredients. The Environmental Working Group's databases can help identify products that do not contain PFAs. I use their database called Skin Deep all the time. You can search for tens of thousands of cosmetics and body products, baby shampoos, sunscreens in there and see what their ranking is for those. When it comes to menstrual products, you might not feel quite as green as I was in my teens and 20s using homemade organic cotton ones, but I'm going to swing back around to that. But if you are hooked on menstrual underwear, check out the guides from Better Goods and Momovation to find PFAS-free options. Try menstrual cups or discs, which are typically made with body-safe silicone and which rather than absorbing your menstrual flow, collect it, allowing you to empty, rinse, and reuse as needed. If you are using pads or tampons, choose organic and look for companies that disclose their ingredients. And again, go to sources like Better Goods and Momovation to find great options for those. If you're up for the extra work it takes on your menstruating days when you're just chilling at home, and maybe overnight, consider using washable, reusable organic cotton pads. They are really effective and really sustainable, and you buy them once, so they're really affordable. Okay, here's one weird bright side. One study found that because these products accumulate in our blood, menstruators may actually have slightly lower levels of PFAs during our menstruating year than non-menstruating people because we're eliminating a small amount with each period. So that's one fun fact to think about when you're changing that next PFAS-free menstrual product. Sadly, we're not going to be rid of PFAs on this planet anytime soon, and certainly not in our own lifetimes. But production can and should continue to be phased out. Many companies have done so voluntarily in recent decades, and we do see rates of PFAs in humans decrease when exposure declines. This can be measured in our blood levels. So this is not sort of like a no-win situation. We can reduce our body burden. But the onus shouldn't be on individuals, it shouldn't be on you and me, to attempt the impossible task of reducing our own personal exposure by policing every product we purchase, our water, even our household dust where they can accumulate. As we've seen, there's a lot we don't yet know. We certainly need more and better research into the health effects of PFAs generally and into the risks posed by toxins in our menstrual products. But one of the most important tenets of environmental health is the precautionary principle. Decision makers should adopt precautionary measures when scientific evidence about an environmental or human health hazard is uncertain and the stakes are high. Even if there is some uncertainty about levels of harm, there's enough data to strongly suggest that PFAs have a negative impact 
on multiple aspects of human and women's health. In my practice, what I tell my patients is when in doubt, leave it out. But we need preventative action taken at a bigger scale. We need our government agencies to do a better job regulating industry and not just when it comes to our water, which has been the main priority, but far beyond that. The FDA and EPA must require more of product companies in terms of product testing and transparency. We need a full list of ingredients on all menstrual products so that we can be the informed consumers we try to be. We deserve to have accurate information to implement our choices and decide what we do and don't want in and on our bodies. And it can be done. In 2019, New York became the first state to require that all menstrual products sold in the state disclose all intentionally added ingredients. A similar law went into effect in California at the beginning of 2023, though advocates say that by allowing some exceptions, it doesn't go far enough in giving consumers full transparency. Plus, even these laws wouldn't necessarily help in cases like Thinks that maintain they didn't intentionally add PFAs to their products. I'll continue to bring you information on and deep dives into endocrine disrupting chemicals and specific health concerns in upcoming articles and podcast episodes. Our personal and planetary health depends on us making the best choices possible. And we can't ignore this and hope it goes away. It won't. But take this away with you. We can reduce our exposure and our children's, and we can advocate for changes in our homes, communities, and local governments. Until all products on the market are body-friendly and planet-friendly, find and use those that do meet the standards you want for your personal, hormonal, reproductive, intergenerational, and planetary health. And make sure to pass this information along to your friends, to your family members. Women's consumer spending power can and does pave the way for much-needed policy change. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode, that it helped you to feel seen and heard, and perhaps that it even brought you some aha moments. Please share the love by sharing this with a friend or someone in your life who could benefit from the kinds of things we talk about in this space. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at dr.avivaram and go to avivaram.com to join the conversation about the show on my blog. While you're there, you can sign up for my free newsletter with tips on taking back your health. Be sure to leave a rating and a review for the podcast and follow the podcast to be notified of new episodes every week. Can't wait to see you next time. <laughs>